terminal illness. I know this this is about health and wellness, and I don't want this is not a, a, at all. I want to be clear, a depressing topic. If anything, if you have your faith, it should be very enlightening and it should feel good. If anybody out there has dealt with anybody in the family who um, had passed on them or had a terminal illness, and, and maybe it lingered for a long time, or maybe it did not, and somebody went really quick, there's a transitioning group out there that is fantastic. I'm going to talk to an educational coordinator uh, through a hospice. I'll tell you where exactly coming up on the Bob Jeswold Show. You really got to hear this because this affects us all. Coming up next. Personal power. People positive. The community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. Oh, what a wonderful day in the neighborhood. It's great again to be here. It always is a good day to be here because every week that goes by, uh, you're just thankful. And I'm, I'm always thankful, too, to be amongst some great people, people who make this show possible because they, they are the ones who come in with their wealth of experience. And I'm going to dive right into it. Registered nurse, educator for this is the Columbus Hospice, which serves East Alabama, too, in, in Georgia. So West Central Georgia is the Columbus area. And also Russell County, Lee County, am I right in that? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and this is Kathy Pearson. Kathy, welcome. Thank you. You're always smiling. Your eyes are smiling. If you're at WRBL.com, I always say this. You want to see the guests, you go to WRBL.com, and you can physically see the guests. You have those beautiful eyes that smile all the time. Thank you. I know. I can see why your husband was attracted. He probably <laughs> said, the first thing, you can't say no to you. You smile. She's always nice. She'll call me occasionally and say, Bob, I need a weather briefing for all my staff, whether they're the chaplains, whether they're the nurses who travel to do great work. Let's get right into it. Columbus Hospice or any hospice out there. So somebody's doing a search right now. They have a family member, a wife, a spouse, a grandfather, grandmother. And, and I've dealt with this in my life, so I, I know how it works. But when you think of hospice, it doesn't mean you're gone. You're not dying tomorrow. Oh, gosh, no, not yeah. necessarily, no. Yeah, explain that to everybody. Oh, you know, there's so many misconceptions, Bob, in, in the community about what hospice is. And hospice is really about people who have a terminal life-limiting illness living their fullest until, oh, well, I love that. for the time that they have left. It's not necessarily patients who are bed-bound and have no quality of life. I mean, we we work so hard to manage patient symptoms so that they can enjoy the time that they have left on this earth. It takes a special person like yourself and many others who volunteer with you, all the educational programs you you, you coordinate there at hospice. I'm, I'm dumbfounded how, you, is it a calling, would it be fair to say, is it something, or is it something, you just, how would you become a registered nurse and say you want to be in a, a position like this? Oh, I, for me personally, it was through a family experience. Okay. Um, I, I had the honor of taking care of my grandfather when he was dying, and I remember coming back from that, I had no medical experience prior to that, so I know what it's like to be a family member that has no idea how to take care of a loved one who's dying. And I remember after he died, I, I went home and I looked at my husband and I said, I want to be a nurse and I want to be a hospice nurse. And I went to school, nursing school specifically, to be a hospice nurse. You're amazing. Okay, so I'm going to go back to what you said in the beginning, living life to its fullest mm-hmm. before you transition. And I use that word because you're transitioning if, if you have your faith. Some, it doesn't matter. It serves everybody. You don't have to be somebody who's Christian or not. But if you have your faith and know and you pass on, we, we many, many believe that you're going to go on to a better place, but but with dignity, should I oh. say. 
Major dignity. So before I get into that, you mentioned living the full. So I remember doing some stuff called Hospice for Heroes, where hospice will 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 take somebody, for example, maybe there's a, a grandfather out there, somebody who never, or would, their last dying wish would be, and they haven't been to a Braves game. Mm-hmm. I'm using that down here because that's our, our local big Major League Baseball team. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, you can physically organize, arrange some of the, all the donations to hospice. When you donate to hospice, they do some great, it's just more than just, you know, supplying everybody with just the, the basic needs and paying the staff. But it goes beyond that. Absolutely. We are Columbus Hospice of Georgia and Alabama is the only not-for-profit hospice in our community. And what that means is that the money that we earn from our community goes back into patient care so that we're able to do these things for patients. We're able to to help them go to a a baseball game or to go out and have a dinner, you know, something that's going to add quality to their life and making memories with their families also. I've heard stories where some people actually wanted just to go to the cemetery and visit their 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 spouse who had passed before they passed and there was something maybe they wanted to just take a moment to go out there you wouldn't think of these things who would you, you just don't think of it because you make their dream come true it's like it's like make a wish almost but it's for 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 hospice patients right and it's on a little bit lower level than yeah you know, sure sure per se make yeah. a wish but absolutely because what we want to do is have conversations with people and say what is important to you what what do you want to see happen in the time that you have remaining. Is there any action or anything that you really want to see for the last time, or is there an experience that you want to have? And we find out what their goals are and what's important to them, and then it's up to us and the staff to figure out how to make that happen for them. And you do. And so what is the, and, and I can tell you, from my experience, my my father-in-law was passing on. He, he was uh, a Retired command sergeant major in the army, real don't like to admit anything's wrong, everything's mm-hmm. good, but he ended up getting colon cancer. And it took, he was just like everybody says, he was, he didn't even make it three years, you know, and it was real rapid. But when he got towards the end, my mother in law at the time, she was in her mid 80s, and she's like, you know, we're like looking at her, she's, she's, I want to use this phrase, but she's killing herself. I mean, and we're trying to help the best we can, we're working. And because they have all daughters, there's some things private, you know, you don't want to see dad, you know, waist down cleaning him up and doing whatever you can because he became bedridden at a certain point. And I know he hated that. Oh, he did not, you know, because that's that's not who he was. But it really was only for the last couple weeks. So I said, why don't we call hospice? Oh, don't tell dad. Because he's going to think that he's he's on his way out right now. We don't want to, you know. So it it was so effective. You had some nurses visit. And in our particular case, we didn't have to bring him to hospice. They came to us. Right. So explain that to folks. So absolutely. We take care of patients in their homes. Um, Columbus Hospice is the only hospice in our community that does have an inpatient unit. So if a patient's family is exhausted from taking care of them, we can bring them into our inpatient unit for five days. Um, But the majority of the care is provided in the home. And we have skilled, um, skilled staff that teach families how to take care of their loved ones. And I can tell you, Bob, from being from a caregiver point of view, mm-hmm. families, families, it's very uncomfortable. I, I know that when I took care of my grandfather, I hear exactly what you're saying. There are things that I didn't want to have to do for mm-hmm. him that I did have to do for him. And I feel like because I experienced that with him, we're able to educate staff about how to prepare families for that and give them tidbits and, and educate them about how to care for their loved ones at end of life. But a majority of the care is provided in the home because who, who wants to die in a hospital? You know, a majority right. of the people, if you ask them, where do you want to die? They're not going to say a hospital, but a majority of the people do die in hospitals every day. 
here in our community. And, and nothing wrong with that, but I but get this, Kath. I don't know if I ever told you this. But when I when I was going to college, I was I was driving for the Transit Authority uh, for Buffalo, New York. I was working for the. It's called it was NFTA, the Niagara Frontier Transportation Authority, and Metro was the umbrella over it. But before that, I was I couldn't wait to get to that job because before that, very difficult. I worked skilled nursing. I got a county job at a county hospital. It's a medical center in Buffalo, New York, off of Grider Street. If anyone's listening to this, and I worked on the skilled nursing for SNF, they called it. I was a nurse's aide, so I, I'm not like you, but I was just I, I was able to help assist, you know, ambulate patients. Seen a lot, skilled nursing. What I did see, and this is no ding at all. I want people to understand this. I'm not at all. I mean, all those nurses, everybody in there, God bless them. They have a, it's, I, I did it for 10 months. I couldn't do it anymore. And here's why. Because I got emotional. I got attached hard, really hard. So what I did was, what the other part was, is that I noticed that they, a lot of them didn't have family or they didn't have anyone. Because at County Hospital, a lot of folks didn't have insurance. They weren't insured. The family maybe didn't have loved ones around anymore. But they, they had NG feeding tubes. It seemed like they didn't die with dignity. I'm using that because I experienced it. So in a positive way, you know, health and well, mentally for the family, it's good to see your loved one transition in a nice way. And and, and doing that as an educational coordinator, how, how, how does one do that? I mean, what do you do... To, to maybe set the groundwork because everybody's case would be different. It could be somebody very serious, critical, and they may go very quickly. They may not be conscious, but there are some that, that are. So how do you educate your staff and other RNs to do that? How do you, that, that's just amazing because each case you look at it differently. Right. Every person's an individual and not everyone's needs are the same. I mean, we all have basic human needs, but what your individual needs might not be what someone else's are. And so every, every patient we we have a plan of care that is individualized to that patient. And we have wonderful staff that have, that have been doing this for years and years. And really it starts, um, the training for our staff starts the day that they're hired. And they go through their orientation and they get, they get time one-on-one with staff that are highly skilled in these areas so that they're, they're educated and they're comfortable with what they're doing before they're going out and actually taking care of patients. So they do a lot of hands-on training. Okay, so that's the hands-on training. That's what I'm saying because you're getting right. They're getting right in on, on this whole thing. Do you typically get nurses that were doing just general medicine somewhere and decide I want to become a hospice nurse? Absolutely, male Absolutely. and female. But Absolutely. I see a lot of women that do it. But are, there's men nurses oh, too. They're involved now. Yeah, we have we have several mm-hmm. male nurses on staff in multiple different positions. Home team. Um, we have um, on call. Mm-hmm. So we have. Yeah, that's we, a big one too. Yeah. yeah. So we do have males, but. The majority of the caregivers are females. The majority of our staff are females. I love when they, and I say this because I, I, I'm, I'm just because most recently my grandfather, my mom used in Buffalo, New York, just it's many years ago, but he, he passed in hospice. As soon as you got into hospice, it's as if he knew everything was, I'm ready to go. It was interesting in that case because he was just lingering on and on. He had jaundice. He had bile duct cancer. It was really tough. He was 93, almost 93. He would have almost hit his birthday. And uh, old Sicilian guy who's great. And he was the one always taking care of everybody else. So it was hard for him. You know, he, he, he cried when he first got there and he goes, I'm scared. And I'm like, come on, grandpa, you're not scared. You know what's going on. But he was there and, and he, he, he knew it's like he was at ease. And it really, in his case, my mom, we had to bring him, we had to bring him there. It was just too hard to where he was staying. So it, it worked in our case and it was so nice. I know it sounds crazy to say, but it feels so good to know that Teresa's dad was there. 
They brought in a, ba- a bed. We call it, pal- uh, make sure I'm saying it starts with a P. Palliative. Palli- palliative. I can never say it. Say it again <laughs> with me. Let's say it together like I'm a kid back in elementary school. Palliative. Palliative. Yes. Palliative care. What is palliative care? Palliative care is essentially um, comfort care. And so the difference between palliative care and hospice care is that in order for a patient to be eligible for hospice, they have to have a terminal life-limiting illness. Whereas with palliative care, they can still be seeking curative treatment while they're receiving palliative care. So 100% of our patients and I mean hospice patients, are going to receive palliative care because we're managing those symptoms that they have. Gotcha. Their nausea, their vomiting, their pain, um, constipation, you know, yeah. all, these, all these symptoms that, are, that have a negative impact on their life. When they come to hospice, we're managing those symptoms for them. Whereas with palliative care, they can still be seeking that curative treatment while they're receiving that symptom management also. So then their insurance company can take care of, and I don't want to get into something that's maybe not in your realm, but I'm thinking the nice thing is insurance covers. A lot of people think, well, I can't afford hospice. Not true? Uh, no, not yeah. true at all. Talk, talk no, to me about it. Because no. a lot of people think that. They think I, I can't, it's like going to a nursing home. I can't afford that nice nursing home for my mom and dad. But insurance accepts, they understand how hospice works. Correct. And so hospice is paid 100% by Medicare Part A. And so we can bill Medicare for 100% of hospice services. Also, private insurances, um, they understand the importance of hospice care. Because what the goal is, one of the goals of hospice is to keep people out of the hospital. Nobody wants to go and wait in in ERs for hours in order to get treatment. So we have professional staff that go in to where that patient calls home to help manage those symptoms and keep them out of these critical care settings, and that helps save money on our Medicare system. Sure, because that's, Um, yeah. And so it is, so hospice is covered 100% by Medicare, by private insurances, Palliative care doesn't have quite the same model some, There's another, there's something else out yeah. there. Like my father-in-law had TRICARE for life. Okay. And then there was probably that, and he was he was getting uh, radiate or he was getting, still had his chemo, but I think he was towards that very, very end. Mm-hmm. He, that was it. I mean, yeah. we knew, you know, he just couldn't even take any more dose right. of chemo. If he did it, that would have knocked him out. But he was in so much, un- he was so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You guys made him comfortable. Thank towards you. The end. Yeah. Good. He really was. And, and so much, he got told my wife's hand. Ta-da! And he's and we know he's in a good place. He's a, he's a war hero. He, he was amazing, but it was good. My wife said he he wasn't struggling. In fact, he even quipped and made a joke. Want to hear it? I do want to hear it. I love. Jokes. I know. And here we are. We're talking about death and dying. <laughs> and I'm going to tell a joke. Well, here's here's my here here's how it works. I'm I'm Bob Jeswold. You know me, and I'm one of those people that I'm I'm easy easy target. I wear my heart in my sleeve. So my sister-in-law, who, you know, they're army family, so they're, they're, they're used to being kind of tough, cut to the chase, black and white. Come on, Bob, get, get rid of the gray. Let's get right to it. So through this period, as I'm, Dad, are you okay? You know, my brother-in-law and I were the only two males at the time that were right there locally that can help him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, you feeling okay? You know, and I'm over-communicating with him. And internally, he's thinking, what the hell? You shut up, you know? But I'm not, I'm not getting that. So my oldest sister-in-law, he comes over. She's the oldest, so the older one, you know, he talks to her differently and she's the elder of all the other of the siblings. And he turns and he looks at Marie and he goes, he goes, he goes, here he is. He's, you got to remember, he's a little bit, he's uncomfortable. He said he felt sour. That was the word he used. And Marie goes, I feel sour. He kept saying that. What the heck is sour? But um, there could be a generational vernacular. I don't know, something from the old days. But he turned and looked up at her and he said, 
tell Bob to stop talking. He's driving me crazy. <laughs> this is this is the night before he passed, okay? Before he transitioned. He was able to give one more dig to Bob right before, and, he, and they laughed. Everybody was laughing around there. And they go, Bob, you, you know, I said, well, you must be doing okay. I mean, with uh, hospice, they're giving him something to make him, <laughs> make him feel at ease like he's himself. And see, so you're laughing about this, yeah, right. and it's a good memory. And that's what hospice tries to do is create an environment that families are able to be together and yeah. interact with each other and and you're able to laugh about this now, and that's a good memory for you. Absolutely. That's your moment, Dylan Hansen, right there. He does a little tease. <laughs> when we, we, put, we put this out of Facebook and social media, we want people to engage with Kathy Pearson. That'll be the moment he uses. We, we do this, and how am I doing on time, too? I just want to make sure. When do we start? I just want to give an idea. I always do a little time check, so I make sure. We're 15. Okay, great. Okay, so we got a half hour. So let's, we got 30 more minutes. We'll look at I'm looking at the clock up there, so 2 o'clock will be good. So... Here, here's, here's the, the, and I love this here because hospice, when you walk in, it's the warm feeling too. And, and, it, and it's so funny. I don't know if it's, is it like, is hospice like a franchise? Is it, would it be fair to say, is it like, like you go to Chick-fil-A, they all look the same, but hospice, when I go to Buffalo, like they feel warm. They are, tell me about that. Oh, what, what no. Is, no. Okay. So explain <laughs> that. I want to know what the deal is with that. No, not all hospices the, is, are the same. Okay, good. And I want to hear that. No, yeah. no, they are not. Right. Um, some things that people might not understand is that they're allowed to choose whichever hospice they want. So we, um, if they want a specific hospice, it's their right to to request that hospice. And not all hospices are the same. For us at Columbus Hospice of Georgia and Alabama, we have programs for our patients that no other hospices in our community have. We have a Pet Peace of Mind program. Love it. I love my doggies. It is wonderful. So many people are attached to their animals. And sometimes, especially for some of our older patients, their animals are all they have left. And our Pet Peace of Mind program helps pay for food and for shots and things like that so that that pet can stay with their human at the end of life. That's awesome. And we're... We actually, um, Terry Roberts, headed up this program, and, and it started with a grant, and now she's on the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organizations Committee you know, um, as an ambassador for the Pet Peace of Mind program. And so that's something extra that we do for our patients and families. Set the gold standard. That's a hard we do. shoe to, to fill for some of these other hospices that might be. But you can check. So you, you recommend, if anyone listening to this, there's just not one hospice, one hospice fits all. Are there other hospices? The only one I know of are, are, are you guys here locally. Is there others? There are other hospices You don't have locally. to mention them. We're going to give them a plug, but I no. mean, but, but there are. But, but we're I, the best. But you're the best. No, because you guys, it clearly is. Everyone says Columbus Hospital. You just, boom. You know where? It's a brand household name here locally. I'll, I'll just say that. I'm not mm-hmm. being gratuitous. There's my word of the week. I use that every week. But, but, it's, um, but that makes a lot of sense. It's neat because... Palliative, three syllables. I can say that now. <laughs> it's three syllables. Good job. Do so you like that? Um, is there, there, that goes involved in it. Then you have this little piece where you start thinking of their animals because that's really sad when you think of somebody who their animal or loved one is nearby. That, that can really make them at ease. Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of their family. So that's something that's also in consideration. There's, um, there's 24-hour care if those yes. who need it. yes. Is that is that my choice to say, look, I want mom to be in there 24 hours, but you guys may come in and you may say as educational coordinator, look, I, we would recommend this. Or is it, well, how does that work? 
So the patients that come to our inpatient unit come for, for a couple of reasons. One reason is for respite care, which is to give the family five days of rest. Okay. Um, they come into our inpatient unit. They're there for five days. The family gets a break. They're able to sleep through the night, yeah. do some self-care for themselves. Another reason that patients would come in would be for general inpatient, which is symptom management. And that is for a very, very short amount of time. Um, examples would be patients who are experiencing uncontrolled pain, um, shortness of breath, restlessness, um, things like that. It's not for an extended amount of time. So our inpatient unit is not a place where people can just come and, and stay indefinitely. They're either going to be there for the five days or they're going to be there for the shortest amount of time that they can be there in order to manage that symptom and then get them back into their home. So... If I have someone I know or I love and somebody else is out there, not at all banging on, you know, uh, hospitals, but say if you go to the hospital, what would be the difference in treatment as you just described somebody who's in that, you're not going to get, you're, you're going to be sleeping in the, in the emergency room with your, your family member or in their room on those uncomfortable couches, or do you literally get respite care? Like you can go home. We got this. What, what, it, not that a hospital wouldn't do that, but what's the difference in treatment? The difference is that with with hospice, with our inpatient unit, our rooms are all private, and they are as home-like as they can be. We the, They have private balconies or, or patio areas. You know, you're not going to get that in a hospital. And hospice is more of a philosophy of care also. So, Bob, you're going to go to the ER, and you're gonna, they're going to treat your shortness of breath or whatever symptom it is that you have. Whereas with hospice, we treat that whole entire person. We treat their physical symptoms, emotional, spiritual. We, we look at them as a whole person and not just a symptom to manage. Perfect and it's way. Not, yeah, okay. And it's not just the patient that we care for. It's that family, the caregivers, and who that patient calls family. I can't imagine any, and I know some of your volunteers, uh, one young lady I know too, she she does this thing with bowls and mm -hmm. Reiki and, and yes. so you and her have that smiling eye kind of thing going on too. And, and I could say her name. She probably wouldn't get mad. I can say Alice. I'll just say Allison because that's her name. But she, she, there's different things that the comforting sound or music or whatever it may be. And you don't think of these things. Right. You kind don't of think of these things. Kind of some alternative yeah. types of medicine mm -hmm. or, or therapies. Sure. I don't want to say medicine yeah, yeah, necessarily. Right. We yeah. have someone on our staff who plays guitar. And if we have a patient that wants to hear music, he will go and he will play guitar for them. We have volunteers that come in um, and will spend time with our patients, just giving them that companionship. What we see is that the older the population gets, the, the less support that they have. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're looking at someone, not everyone comes from a family like yours. Right. You're, I, I hope you know that your family is very unique. It's not the norm. To, to have everyone involved the way we're, that they are. We were very blessed and fortunate to have um, Teresa's dad, my father-in-law, tran just transition at home. That's where yeah. he wanted to be anyway. Yeah. Even said a prayer. The, his pastor came in. He was an army chaplain. Pastor, he just adored. And he was out of town. We got him to come in. I mean, talk about how everything just lined up. Uh, that morning, the uh, hospice nurse was there. That evening, the hospice nurse was there just to check in. And like, and she, they were so good through the whole. And even to the point, I mean, they're not going to, but even to the point to prepare us mentally. They, they even did counseling for us, in a sense. Just because of their experience, they knew he wasn't, they said, he'll, he's ready. We know he's going to go within the next 12 hours. And we, like, you know, it's amazing 
In fact, he did. They knew, they felt him, either read him or knew, um, even though he was even pulling himself up like a pull-up. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, the stuff that he, right to the end, he's an army ranger, of course, but he, but he, he right to the very end. But, but it was, it was just having them there. It's like kind of, it's like a coach almost, like coaching mm-hmm. you through this. I know it sounds crazy, but I feel like it's coaching you through, you know, somebody who's going. Now, again, like you said, I, and I want to point out, it's not that hospice means this is the end. There, there, there could be a terminal illness involved, and you guys could be there for years. What was your longest hospice patient you ever uh, had? What's the longest person you ever had? Uh, Bob, I'm, I'm years, mm, maybe a year. Or I don't. Could yeah, it go I mean, that far? Could it? It, yeah. it can go for a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe beyond that would be a little bit maybe over the top for hospice. Maybe you know, it's hard. Like, it's yeah. hard to say. Um, you know, because we get funds from Medicare, they have certain rules that we have to follow, sure. and you know, one of those rules is that a physician has to say that. If a disease progresses at its natural rate, the patient's life expectancy is six months or less. And it doesn't mean that that patient has to die within six months because, Bob, it's very difficult to prognosticate. It's hard to say. You're that good. You have three months, two days, and (laughs) 17 minutes. Uh, You hear that in the movies, and the person never does. Or you even hear in real life, somebody told... I've heard other people said that that was it, and they're three, four, five years later, Mm -hmm. they go, I'm still here. That's right. You know, you you don't know. And because everyone responds as responds to disease differently also so what my cancer looks like might not be what your cancer looks like Um, and the same with heart disease and all these other chronic illnesses and one of the things also is that with technology the way it is medically we're able to keep the human body alive for a long time with interventions that we can do ventilator support things like that Um, the question comes down to just because we can do it is it really the right thing to do for, for patients and families. And I like what you said a minute ago about being there coaching coaching the family through what's mm-hmm. going to happen because that's what we do. That's what I felt. They, yeah, they did it for a grandfather too, but it was, it was different But because the situation was different. Well, it makes it less scary when you have someone saying, okay, don't be surprised if you see this symptom. Yeah. Don't be surprised if you start seeing your, your dad uh, sleeping more. Or don't be surprised if he's not eating quite as much because these are all signs. They said that, it, and they said even to rattle. They even explained that too, and it was he was he started doing that a couple times. Mm-hmm. So when you have someone there that's experienced and that's able to tell you, I know, I know this is scary. I can understand this is scary for you. You're you're not used to this, but that be there, you know, basically holding their hand, saying, "I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. I'm. You don't have to go through this alone." Do you ever cry? Absolutely. Yeah, are you kidding? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. the rule of thumb is that we never want to put our own emotions it's hard on someone else. Yeah, but, it's hard. but Bob, we're human. Yeah. And we can't do the work that that we do without becoming emotional sometimes. It's hard to look at someone and ask them ask you. I've had patients ask me, Am I dying? And you know, what do you say? What I say is, you know, tell me what you think. What are your thoughts? Okay. You know, and, and find out from their perspective where they're at. And then go from there. Have, the, have that conversation. And this is what makes hospice unique also from, let's say, hospital care, is that we are willing to have those difficult conversations with people, Bob. Sure. You know, I'm able to look at you and say, okay, you know, you understand that you have a life-limiting illness. How do you want to spend your days? What's important to you? Let me ask you this, Bob. Mm-hmm. What, what's your biggest concern for your family? Right. What, what are you scared? Are you, and in order to... Have these conversations. I have mm-hmm. to be willing to go there with I you. I gotcha. Yeah, that, that, and that makes sense. I mean, it, it's the way you approach it. it. It's 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 tender. It's being sensitive. You know, there there's stories you hear where some doctors are just in. You know, some doctors are just 
cut and dry. Like they'll come right out and say, you're going to die or you're going to, you know, you, you got, this is terminal. I can't, we can't do anything. And some people are like, I can't accept that. And those are some cases you hear. And these people go a lot longer than what somebody had told them. And there's others that, you know, they're, they're spot on. They might be really close, but here, here's this alternative and, and understanding, you know, what the insurance rules may be or, you know, Medicare, whatever it may be. We think of people middle-aged and older, but what's the youngest hospice will go? What's the youngest you ever oh, had for hospice? Columbus Hospice of Georgia and Alabama Columbus will go to, to infancy. Isn't that amazing? So the family newborn. now, now it, obviously the newborn doesn't know much, but this is for the family now. Absolutely. So now you're doing, hospice again considers the family having to go through this instead of having their child be in a hospital bed or be at home. You can actually have a nice little setting there, and they, people could come visit. Then it's Absolutely. a nice place, and you can rest. Like you said, you get the respite time. Heck, you know, I, when you're in there, you 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 can almost rest right there with with your loved one because yes, it feels can. that that homey and, mm-hmm. and warm too. Like you, like you were saying, which is really good. Recently, one my one colleague keeps coming. He walked by here twice. If Chuck comes back again, I'd like to pull him. If if he does, I don't. You know, we still got a few minutes here. But if he if he does, I would pull him in here and just. He had a great experience, and I went over to visit him and his dad just passed recently and was at Columbus Hospice, and uh, did great. We had. Um, um, it's funny how the stories. I think if anyone's listening, if you know anybody that has gotten to experience something as as grand as like Columbus Hospice to have these kind of resources all available for somebody. And I, 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 you know, that's getting cared for. It's amazing how you all of a sudden start hearing stories and you start talking to people like, here's a chance and educate them a little bit. This is a good idea, a good alternative. My mother-in-law didn't even realize it. She, again, she felt all oh, the insurance wasn't, car- she did, wasn't, it wasn't even a money issue for her or for them. It was like, well, they're so proud because of who they were. They're like, well, we don't deserve, we're not deserving. And I don't want to put words in her mouth, but that's kind of where she was at. Like, this wasn't for us. We, we, we don't, you know, save that for someone else who really needs it. We're, we're okay. They weren't. She wasn't okay. Right. I and mean, this, she needed some emotional help and physical help. In our case, it was, we needed both. And that's what a lot of people think is that they can't afford hospice and, and, or, the, or save it for somebody else. But this is your benefit. You know, this is, I love that. This yeah. is a benefit that each individual has to receive hospice services. And um, it, it's a wonderful thing. You don't have to save it for someone else who you think might need it more. I mean, because who determines that? You know, basic needs are basic needs. I, again, I'm going to use my three syllable. The palliative care is an awesome thing because you don't realize, I mean, why not? Why do you have to experience pain as you're being treated? And when you can do, you could, you could or get these other things in your life that can at least take your mind off of it mm-hmm. or or add extra comfort support, add a little bit more support. You got the chaplains that are there as well on mm-hmm. staff. Um, you got quite a staff. I mean, yeah. I've had the honor several times you've had me come in and talk about weather safety to some of your staff to, you know, they, they go out and travel, you know, and it's like they, they want them to be caught in a tornado because here in the deep south, we got some bad weather. And that being said, that's got to be tough too for the traveling nurses. I mean, how do you deal with that? Sorry, I can't come, Mrs. Jones, because... Bob said there's a tornado coming. I mean, what, what do you do in a situation like that? Well, luckily, you yeah. give us warnings okay. about, you know, you let us know when storm systems are coming. And so we have a plan in place that we know our high-risk patients, and we're calling them days in advance saying, okay, you know, Bob's telling us that this weather's coming. What is your plan for safety? You know, when you were with us recently, you were talking about trailers mm-hmm. and about how how dangerous, I mean, you, 
anyway, I remember what you were saying yeah. about it. And so for our patients that do live in trailers, we're going to be calling them saying, okay, who are you going to be with? How are we going to get Good. you there? It's what? neat. How, and as an educational coordinator, you, you're even, this is how they're thinking out of the box, everybody listening to this. I mean, Kathy Pearson invites me in there, which I, you know, I'm, I do my thing, but you're, you're extracting these cool little moment, these little things out of there because you're thinking, God, I got to come up with a plan. So my nurses know how to give this, my patients or future patients, what they need to know to be safe. It's actually the teams. It's not just the education. Um, It's not just my job. We have, we have staff that, that have emergency preparedness. That's what they do. That's what their, their role is. They go to these coalitions and say, okay, well, what would we do if we had a volcano erupt in Columbus, Georgia, sure. you know, that's not going to happen, but right. let's have a plan for in case something like that did happen. And we're able to, when, when a patient is admitted to hospice, be it at home or, or where have you, their, their situation, we do an emergency preparedness risk assessment right off the bat so that we know, okay, this patient lives alone. They live rural. They, they're on oxygen. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if something bad, if, the, if they lose power, what's their plan? So we are planning in advance for events that may or may not happen. And that way, when you're on the news saying, okay, people, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is coming. I can't, st- I hate those days. Th- those are <laughs> the days I wanted to scream bloody murder. It's like, God, please, Lord, not today. You know, it's never, never a good time for, you know, bad weather. But it's given us a, a heads up and thank you for what you do because you, I know that we had talked about some kickback that you had received at, at mm-hmm. one time. Oh, you should hear someone's <laughs> kickback. Yeah, oh, people should hear some of those kickback. Don't interrupt the Georgia game. Oh, God. I'm a Georgia fan, but yeah. you know what? If it's going to save my yeah. life, then you come on. Okay? Else, they, somebody's woman, I could never hear you say, but some of the language that came out of these people, <laughs> it would make you blush right now. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. But 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 that's, you got to have some thick skin in, in, in the game, so to speak. Do you guys have thick skin in the game? Do you, do you see yourself like, do you have to have, th- do you have some family members or I mean, you got to, is there, is it always just easy as pie people come in or do you have to like really tell people, look, you got to hold back or, I mean, what do you do in those situations? It's, it's difficult. I wish I could say that there's a one size fits all, but you know, it sounds like the situation with your dad was just a picture perfect. That was picture, picture perfect. It really was. Yeah. But not everyone comes nice and neat packaged like that. We take care of, of non picture perfect patients every day and they deserve the same dignity and respect, and, and it's up to us to help facilitate and get them what, what they need. They might not even know what they need. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, Bob, patients have rights. It's not our job to come into their home and say, you have to do this, you have to take this medicine, you have to live this way, you know, your house is dirty, you have to, that's not our job. Our job is to meet them one-on-one, eye level, and say, tell me what your needs are. See, I can say this because I worked in a county skilled nursing facility, and uh, again, everybody in top mom, I'm not, I'm not perfect. It was a very tough situation to see, but I felt like it was, it felt like it was a concentration camp in there, and these people couldn't, they couldn't say they had nothing to say because either they didn't have anyone fighting for their rights or whatever. It's horrific, in my opinion. Terrible way to have to go. It, it, it is. Yeah. And, you know, people have the right to live how they want to mm-hmm. live, and it's yeah. not our job to go in and try and, and change how people how people choose to live their life. We want them to live safely, of course, and we're going to help them any way that, that we can. But ultimately, they get to choose how they want to live. If somebody's not insured, what do you do? If you know somebody, and I'm like, God, I would really like to see this person get the, a better treatment, and well, they can't help, but we'll, and instead of being sent over. And, and again, I'm not 
they want people to understand if it's a county facility there, God bless they're there because there are people that have no choice. Is that all? Is that their only choice? For Columbus Hospice, because we are a not-for-profit in our community, so we can, provide charitable care to wow. patients who are uninsured. That's amazing. Is there a shortage of nurses? Like we hear of shortage of nurses and doctors and everything. Are you guys like, God, Bob, we can really use more hospice nurses. We're never going to turn a nurse away. There you go. <laughs> you know? I mean, but, we're not, we're not yeah. going to take the wrong kind of nurse, sure. but you know, you, it's across the board. You're always going to need that core staff. You're always going to need the nurses, the, the CNAs, certified nursing assistants, yeah. um, the chaplains and social workers. What's that past your name too? Cause I'm looking on your badge. It's RN. What's the um, rest of it says? It's, CHPN, I'm certified in hospice and palliative care. That's it. Yeah, how about yeah. that? It's got the three-syllable one in the middle. Now I know about that. <laughs> just keeps coming up today yeah. over and over and over and over again because, you know, I, I love I love to get stuck on a word, but it's, it, but it's so important. I, I, I just want to – I think it's an amazing piece to this puzzle to be able to have something in addition to folks that are with diagnosed with a terminal illness. Six months is kind of the basic. It could go, despite what we don't know, somebody could go a year. And sometimes you've had somebody, you know, you're treating in, in some capacity for a year. Is there a point where you go, okay, dude, you're not going <laughs> to... You're, you're not going to go anytime. So what we see is you're getting better. Have we had people go into hospice to say they had a full recovery and today they can walk right in the store? Kathy, I remember when you were with me in hospice. How often does that happen? Um, Probably not often. I I'm mean, sure, it doesn't but, happen yeah. definitely not every yeah, day. Yeah, sure. Certainly Too not. bad. It would be nice. Yeah, would go be. to hospice and you live. You survive. They keep you, <laughs> they keep you alive. Um, it, it does happen occasionally, and we call them graduates of hospice. You I know, love we, it. We celebrate that, you know, you're no longer terminal. It looks like you have more chronic illness, but it can be a two-edged sword also because you develop relationships with these patients and families. And if we if we determine that a patient is no longer eligible for hospice services, um, there's planning that goes that goes into play. Just because we might not be going into the home anymore doesn't mean that we're going to remove the oxygen that we put in that home. So we have to make sure that we have all their needs met before we pull out. Interesting. Gosh, there's so much that goes involved in this. You have social workers too. Yes. Staff. See, I, I wanted to point that out. There's social workers, which is a really key point to this as well. And their, their role is important. Absolutely. Social workers, I tell you, I think that they are the miracle workers of yeah. being able to, they, they do, Bob, they do so much within our organization. Can't imagine. It's they, they go to food banks and get food for patients who have food insecurities. They, um, if we've had veterans on our program before whose children have been overseas, so they're contacting the Red Cross to get them back home to be able to see their loved one before they die. They fill out, um, they fill out paperwork for funding. They, <laughs> I told you wow, about our. I wouldn't pay. even think about that. God, the, the, it's crazy. The work that they do is absolutely amazing. Their their bereavement, uh, you know, they're 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 offering that emotional support. Yeah. Not every family that we care for is elderly. A lot of times, we're taking care of moms and dads who uh -huh. have children in the home. They're there providing that emotional support to the kids, and we have—I mean—the work that they do is just—I could, I could sit here. We could have a whole other yeah. podcast about what our social workers do. So, Kathy, we're just scratching the surface. Oh, sounds like just the <laughs> golly. Yeah, I wish we had more time. Well, at least you know what's worth in, in a situation like this 
is definitely, like you just said, to have you come back and let's talk more about this. Because people to. need to know. We, if somebody was just kind of researching and, you know, perusing the, the, the websites or doing anything, Columbus Hospital specifically, because, again, you guys are the gold standard. Do you find yourself, does anyone on an international level or national level, like, tap you guys or see, do they do this in Europe? I wonder if socialized medicine, do they have this ability, or do you see it more in, in only in the United States? Well, I can tell you that the, the the first hospice that ever came to be was St. Christopher's in London, England. And that I'll was be? in ni- 1967, wow. Dame Cicely Sanders. Um, wow. She came up with that hospice. She developed that. And then from there, the first hospice in the U.S., came to be in 1974 in Connecticut. Oh, wow. And then our hospice, Columbus Hospice, began in 1979 here in our community, and it started by volunteers. It was an all-volunteer group that started Columbus Hospice. And as integral as we wouldn't be here without Mm. the volunteers, and the volunteers are a good part of the backbone of our program now. Our volunteers do so much for our patients. So if somebody's interested in volunteering for not-for-profit of the Columbus Hospice of Columbus and Alabama, they need to call who? They, they would just call our office. Okay. And call see our if they're, office. If they're eligible to do something, mm-hmm. if there's something you can find a fit for them. Or. Absolutely. They, but we treat our volunteers like we do our staff also. They have to go through an orientation. Mm-hmm. They have to have there's required education that they have. So we're not, we don't just take people off the street and put them in paper in people's homes. Sure, there's sure. there's education yeah. and there's a lot that goes into being a volunteer and, and they have expectations that they have to meet. Also, they get annual evaluations just like staff do. You know, so there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And for us to have the number of volunteers that we have is really pretty amazing because when we think about volunteers, we think, okay, so I'm volunteering my time and you're going to tell me what to do, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but people, people will go through that in order to be a part of our organization. And I think that that says a lot for us and we have amazing leadership within our organization also. Yeah. I don't, I don't and again, and, and what you do every day is a different day in a sense. I mean, you, you go to work and it's really not the same thing. Is that something that you like about the job? And I'm sure there's some repeat customers in a sense. There's some things that may apply what you used for somebody two years ago, a family. You could see that same situation, the more experience you get. But, like, is it, it just doesn't get boring. No. You have to, in order to enjoy this type of work, you have to be ready for the unexpected. You know, you. I, I know for me personally, even with my job, I'm not going out into patient homes per se, but... You know, I have my plan of how I'm going to spend my day, and then something comes up. And the same way with our patients and families. You know, a nurse can have, okay, I know that I'm going to see these patients today, but then someone might be having an emergency, and the nurse has to go out and see them first, or there's been a death, or there's there's something going on in the social. And this doesn't, it's not just the nurse, it's the social worker and chaplain also. It can be anybody on the team. You know, you come in with your idea of what your day is going to look like, and yeah. two minutes into it, it's, it's just a whole. So you have to be able to be flexible. I'm with you on that because I, I can't. I can't. I, I don't like routine. So this would be something for someone who doesn't like routine, mm-hmm. and they get to experience that. But you become imaginative. You 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 have so many different things that you could come up with to to make this family put them in a better place mentally and spiritually, physically, everything else. Have you seen people come in just like a wreck and then at the end, it's nice to see them kind of like, oh, thank you so much. That's why we do the work that we do. You know, when, yeah. when we have patients that come in that are in so much 
I'm, I'm just going to say suffering when they're mm -hmm. suffering and suffering can be physical, emotional, spiritual, you know, whatever their situation is. And we're able to manage the symptoms that they're having and we're able to meet the needs that they have. And then they have a peaceful death. It's when we all kind of just sit around with each other and say, wow, this is why we do what we do. Amen to that. We'll end right on that. We're going to have Kathy Pearson. Come on back, Dylan. Handsome, what do you think? Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. You learned a lot, didn't you? I learned a lot. What did you What did you think of this from your young Wait, can, age of twenty? Can I ask? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so you were saying, um, like towards like towards the end of everything, uh, it's like more like customized, like per like per like what people want, like for the end of like their life, right? Absolutely. What would What would you guys like value the most if you guys were in hospice, right? Like. Oh, be it that's like an tomorrow. interesting question, yeah. That's a great question. Could people plan hospice? That would be impossible unless you were terminally ill, I would think. You'd have to have a terminal. If you have a terminal illness, could you start? Or like, 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 like what would you like value like the most? Oh, like what I value? I, I value that I can die with dignity because it because I'm in a place where I don't have to worry about, I, I get, they're, they're looking at me specifically. What are the things that I need or I want? Or if I want something near me, if, you know, if you want your cats there, mm -hmm along with your kids and there's coordination there's social work. It's, there's a full onboard support. That's, but I would want that. I would want, I'd want as many of family members close by animals to keep, make me feel in my home. If it's not at home, you know, it depends upon the situation. That's what's important to me too, is having the people that I love around me with my own familiar things. Yes. And, you know, my yeah. own pictures yeah. in my house, my my own sheets, my pillows, you know, yeah. my 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 home. That's what's important to me. Few yeah. of my favorite things. <laughs> da, 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 da. Peaceful time. Now, you know, it doesn't have to be sad. It doesn't. But instead it makes us very happy inside. Columbus Hospice. Thank you. We awesome. we try and make the best out of one of the most difficult situations that families can can go through. Awesome. Kathy, we love you. Thank you for thank what you do. You. It's a true calling. When I see all you there, I thank you. First responder, doing this kind of thing. It's a passion. It's a love. You, you guys are a true blessing thank to everybody you. in our community. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in on this. If you want any more information, we got it right here. Kathy and her staff or just to get some ideas, you know, talk to someone at Columbus Hospice, figure it out. Um, there may be a hospice near you. If you're listening in California, if you're someone who's in Texas, wherever you may be, Canada, uh, check it out. And you can check any of these podcasts out right here. Uh, as we said, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. We like to promote, of course, Apple, Spotify, and iHeart. You can go to WRBL.com. Also, see the visual portion and see Kathy's smiling eyes. <laughs> Her, are you Irish by any chance? Is that your... I don't, I don't know, know. I've never done a DNA test Okay, before. we need to do one because you've got <laughs> Irish eyes are smiling. Of course, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, be Jeswald. I'm there for you. Anyway, have a good one. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks, Kath. Thank you.